Hey, well, welcome tonight. And um, yeah, truth, truth. This is, you know, when Jeannie and I first got married, we would go play, we called it Friday night basketball. And we would go play one-on-one basketball um, down at the downtown YMCA. And, um, and uh, Jeannie won far more games. She's the better basketball player than I am. And um, she would just spank me sometimes. And um, you would be up, we played 11 and I'd be down like eight to zero and I hadn't even touched the ball yet. Um, you know, so it was uh, so interesting. But the, the interesting thing about Jeannie and I is that um, we never lived in the same state until we were married. And um, so it was long distance the whole time. And so, um, you know, we really, uh, would you say, we learned a lot more about each other, obviously, once we were married and, and, and back. Um, but now we're coming up on the 25th year. And so, um, yeah, and so we've got uh, five kids. And do we have a, so this is our crew. And um, the oldest is 21. She just graduated from A&M and is here as a, as a resident. We've got two at the University of Texas, a sophomore and a freshman, and then two still at home. So, and um, uh, why don't, I'll tell you what, I'll start and then I'll, um, one, one of the things, so Jeannie and I have been working through a devotional um, that is written by a guy named Tim Keller. And um, one of the things that it stood out to me and, and Jeannie as well is, is uh, he's got a line in the book that says, you always marry the wrong person, right? And, um, and so, you know, then you read into it and it says, it's because we're all broken, right? And you, you think you're marrying a perfect person, but, you know, they're not. And guess what? You're not either. And then the very next day, he says, but even if you, you know, you didn't marry the, the, you know, you always marry the wrong person, but even if you did marry the right person, they change, right? So you might have lucked out at the beginning, but, you know, no longer um, that people just begin to change. And so what we wanted to talk about tonight um, was really um, starts out of kind of being broken, just acknowledging um, that we are not the people we want to be. You know, and um, I think in marriage, it's so easy when um, you start to struggle to point at the other person and to say, you know what, I would have a much better marriage if I, you know, was married to the right person um, or if, you know, they only saw the world. And, um, and I think so much um, growth for me has, has been um, just recognizing, hey, you know what, the problem with your marriage is you. I mean, the problem is my marriage is, is me. And, um, and it comes out of the fact that we're broken. And so, you know, when, when you talk about that three-step, there's the, hey, we are all broken. But God's grace, he loves us anyway. And he calls us to love others like that. And then adopting a posture of humility. So what we wanted to do is just walk through several verses and really say, hey, what does God have to say about this? You know, this process of we're broken, he extends us his grace, and then in, in humility, we seek to love and serve one another. So That's great. Um, the word's got to be central for any of it to work. And so we have about five passages that we hope to kind of fly through. I know that those of you, when you hit the grace and humility lessons, you'll, you'll dig deep into these. But I think it's so cool that one of them lined up with the journey yesterday with Philippians 2, and I love it when God does that. Um, and so the first passage that we're going to look at tonight is the Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. And I love Ephesians 2. Um, and it says, 
As for you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions, you know, which you, when you walked according to the ways of this world in the way you used to be. But God, who is rich in mercy, and by nature, we were all objects of wrath. So like he's saying, we're broken. We have nothing. I love that song that we sung, but the truth is, especially as a married person and especially as a parent, you know your interests are anything but undivided. And Paul tells us that once we marry and once we choose to take on a family, we're kind of cursed with a divided heart because our interests are spread out between kingdom eternal and then kind of living and having to live in the day-to-day earthly, providing for your husband or your wife and your family. And he's saying, look, we're all objects of God's wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive again in Christ Jesus. You know, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He wants to make you whole. He wants to take your broken, divided heart and make you whole. And I love that passage, and I love that all of Ephesians, but it is by grace you have been saved. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so the key to marriage is understanding what John said, is that it's only by grace that you're in this relationship and your marriage is a gift from God. And one of the things we've come to appreciate this last really month and a half or two months is the marriage is the third thing. And the marriage that you've been entrusted to is a gift. And we have to work on that marriage. It's not our relationship. It's not John. It's not Jeannie. It's we have to work on the marriage. Because the marriage is the platform, just like we're sitting in these chairs or standing on the stage, that God's going to use to exemplify his love and grace and his faithfulness and commitment to us, even when we don't deserve it. And we exemplify that to each other by extending grace and and remembering who we were. My lifelong dream was to get married and have a family. And then that happened. And I realized, as John's saying, I was a stranger to myself. I thought when I moved from Tennessee to Dallas that I was leaving all my bad habits and my past failures behind, and I was going to start fresh. But that broken girl moved with me. And all those habits, all those hang-ups, all those hurts came with me. And he became a mirror through which I saw them so much more clearly than I ever could ask or imagine. Our kind of life theme verse is Ephesians 3.21. He who is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within you. Well, the way he does that first, anybody that's in recovery knows, is by making you aware of what's wrong with you and that you're broken and you need to be worked on. And then you acknowledge that there is no way you can do that in and of yourself. And you surrender to the Lord. And then you take action. And I just want to applaud each one of you for fighting the battle and getting here and working on your marriage and taking the step towards acknowledging the fact that I can't do it myself and you need each other and you need the Bible and you need the Word, you need the Lord to make you right. And um, we kind of committed to each other once Reengage started here that we would do it every five years. And it's the 25th year. And I think it's so precious that Mandy... Um, and the team asked us to come because I think this is like inauguration of like, hey, it's time to get back in. It's time to work again. And it is only by grace that we have the work and the power to become aware, to acknowledge, and then take action um, to have a relationship that God could use as a platform for his grace. Yeah, and that, that awareness is a big part of it for me because part of the time, I don't see my selfishness. And... Um, and so if I just can become aware of it, right, um, then I'm that much better off. And I kind of divide, um, you know, my fallenness and sin into two buckets. There's the things I should do um, that I don't do, 
And then there's the things I do that I shouldn't, right? So, um, and where I really get into trouble with myself is it's the things I don't do in my marriage that get me into trouble, right? I'm much more aware of the things I do, you know, where I'm, where I'm sinning against Jeannie. But it's, it's the, whether it's being passive or neglecting it or not doing the things I need, it's what I don't do. Um, that's where I get into trouble. And, um, and it's so easy, I think, in day-to-day life to say, well, I'm not doing this, and I'm not doing this to, you know, um, to sin against her. But it, there's lots of things I'm not doing um, that if I only did would, would really serve us well. And so for me, um, awareness is key, right? So if, if you think you know, the problem is the other person, you're in trouble right out of the gate, right? You cannot fix what you don't see. And so many times um, in marriage, people don't see their part of it. And, uh, and so that's, that is a big piece of it. It's just going, okay, um, I acknowledge that the reason, you know, we're not where we should be is because of me, you know? And it's that whole draw a circle around yourself and stay inside. So that first part is, okay, am I aware of it? And, um, and I think... You know, what God would say, and this comes to, you know, our Titus 3 passage, um, if they want to put up on the screen, but um, it just says, you know, uh, he said, oh, yeah, Titus 3, 3 and 3, 5, which is where we're going, just says, and he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, right? And, um, and God, in, in the midst of us not being faithful, and not being loving, and all of these things, God says, hey, I love you anyway. And, um, and when you begin to experience that, um, then it, it makes it that much easier. Um, that's grace. You know, you get something that you did not deserve from God. And so then when we begin to extend that to our spouse, um, that's where it comes from. It's just, so, you know, part one is recognizing okay, um, you know, the problem is me. And then part two is, is, the next step is saying, okay, I acknowledge that. And because Christ died on the cross for us, he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another. And, um, and so it's in that that there's a decision to say, okay, am I gonna serve my spouse? Yeah. And so point number one is grace. All is grace. It's by grace you've been saved. We all lived among them at one time, like it said in that passage, envying, hating, competing. And I think there are postures that you take in any relationship. You know, 99% of communication is nonverbal, haughty eyes, proud heart. You know, so when Jesus calls us to a place of humility, all through Scripture, it says, humble yourself. That means something that in light of God's grace, if you have any comfort from his love, if any tenderness and compassion... You know, if any, any semblance of fellowship with the Spirit, if you're walking in the Spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And what he's saying in that passage is our comfort Our joy, our fellowship comes from our communion with God and the grace we've received as a result of the gospel and its power at work in our heart. And as a result, we take the posture of Christ. 
So the posture of your heart, one of my favorite things, I think I probably learned it in Reengage one of the first times we went through it, is you have three postures in your heart. You can either be grasping for control. It says he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to be clung onto, but he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness. He humbled himself. Hear that? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So Jesus humbled himself. He was equal with God. He, took, he stepped off that throne and down the Son of God became a man so that men could become sons of God. He humbled himself. And in marriage, like no other, you have the opportunity to surrender. And he did not cling. He did not clutch. So in your marriage, think about what are your main things? What are your values? What are your sacred cows that you're clinging to? It's got to be this way. And then when those expectations are not met, those needs are not fulfilled, those desires are not satisfied, those cravings are not, not, um, they are, they're not sated, then you can often take a posture of disdain and disgust. Well, he's not living up to my expectations. I'm certainly not going to try to live up to his. I'm done. And you kind of take that done, disdainful, disgusted passage. What you are doing here as you come to re-engage is you're taking a posture of humility you're taking a posture of going like this. I surrender. You're peeling back every one of those fingers that have gotten so intertwined and clenched around what you think marriage ought to be and what your false notions and expectations are, and you're laying them at the feet of Christ. So for me, humility is a posture of the heart, and he can see it in the way I look at him. When part of the devotion was a few days ago, it asked to make a list of what would you like to see change in your spouse. And he's like, I just want you to be glad to see me, you know? And I do a better job of greeting my dogs than I do my husband most days, okay? Unconditional love and acceptance. There's a reason dogs God spelled backwards. Think about that for a while. If you're having trouble understanding unconditional love and acceptance, get a dog. It'll change you. But we lost a dog at 18 months that about killed us both. And we didn't realize how much we were centering on that dog and coming home and playing with Scout and enjoying him. And I was so convicted when we lost that dog that I really needed to be turning to him. And I really need to be greeting him and doting on him the same way. And it's hard after 25 years to hear your husband look at you and go, I just want you to be glad to see me. That's not a high bar, girls. I mean, you can... Be glad when they walk in the door. I, it just, you know, but we lose that because the posture of my heart is demanding. And the counselor that counseled us pre-engagement said, look, Jeannie, you've got a demanding heart. And you have got to have open arms and open expectations and let God do his work in John and you just love and encourage him along the way. So for me, moving from grace to a posture of humility, um, Part of the passages we've been looking at the last few weeks in the journey with Galatians and Philippians talks about how the law is a tutor that leads us to Christ and needs us to, leads us to our need for a Savior. I believe marriage is the tutor that leads you to humility because it breaks you of the notion that you're enough, that you can love unconditionally without reciprocity. I mean, it just it's broken all my false expectations of myself. And so I think for me... As I look at that Philippians passage, and I'm so glad we were back in it this week, it's just a matter of, you know, is your attitude going to be demanding or is it going to be that of Christ Jesus? Can you make yourself nothing and die to your false notions and expectations of John and put them on Christ and seek to serve and not be served?
Yeah. And, you know, I think um, with humility, it's really treating self-centeredness as the main issue in your marriage, okay? And, you know, my problem with my marriage is when, when I approach it for what can I get out of it, I'm in trouble. And, um, you know, we've, we've got just a couple more minutes, but I wanted to throw up a passage that just is out of Mark chapter 10. And it's verses 42 through 45. And it just says, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many right? So, so God sets the example for us by showing us grace. And, and then he's asking us to, hey, follow me and, and think about serving, not being served. And, um, and so, you know, when I, when I go through my progressions, I get into trouble at the beginning because I don't see my sin and I think what's in it for me. And then when I become aware of it, it's deciding to serve Jeannie, you know, in very practical, tangible, daily ways. And then the, a third part of that is, um, is having a good attitude about it, right? Because I think there's sometimes when I can serve, but I can let her know with my attitude um, that, uh, you know, I'm doing this, but my heart's not in it. And I just negate all the good that I'm trying to accomplish. And then the last piece of that is just staying at it, right? Which is strength that comes from your relationship with God. Because if you're trying to do it on your own, um, inevitably, you're going to run out of motivation and, and will. And so um, it's really depending on him and saying, okay, Lord, I am serving uh, my wife because you gave your life for me and you are calling me to serve, okay? And I'm, and I'm trying to please you. And that's the motivation, I think, that, that keeps you going in the midst of it. Yeah, I think that's so good. The, um, one of the books he's got on the table right now is um, what got you here won't get you there. Mm-hmm. And, and what got you in reengage, hopefully, was that you just wanted to tune up on your marriage. But what gets us into the gospel every day is we're broken, just right back to the beginning. And when you acknowledge that and preach the gospel to yourself every day, it's a lot easier to assume the posture of humility. And your marriage gives you the opportunity to practice that posture and to say, hey, I'm yours. And the last passage that... Um, we're going to end on is the Matthew 10, I think 39. And it says, look, whoever of, among you chooses to seek life, you're going to lose it. But if you choose to lose your life, you're going to find it. And so our word to you is, is in your marriage, choose to lose. You can either choose to compete with one another, to show contempt for one another, or to complete one another. And you choose one of those postures every day. And you, by being here, tell us that you are choosing to try to complete, not to compete, you know, who's going to win, tug of war, who's going to get their way, and not to just completely disdainful turn your back on each other and just exist, parent together, do your job, right, but to really complete. And so that's our prayer for you as um, you head off into your groups is choose to lose. Yeah. Yeah, and, and final word I would just say, um, I tell people, it's easy to have a mediocre marriage, okay? It's really hard to have a good marriage um, because having a really good marriage um, means acknowledging your brokenness and it means putting the needs of the other person first, even when you don't feel like it. 
And, um, and all of us can do that every once in a while, but doing it consistently is hard. Oh, yeah. And um, guys, one of the things guys will do is if you get a guys together and you ask them how they're doing in their marriage, they want to bring out their highlight reel. Okay, like the, the five or 10 times over the last year when they've done an exemplary job of serving their spouse, right? And they neglect to tell you, but the other 360 days of the year, you know, I fell way short of that. And so um, just being aware of that and going, hey, this isn't about your highlight reel. This is about um, how did I do today? Mm-hmm. And, um, and you're choosing to complete. So let, us, let me pray for us and then, and then we'll get us off to our groups. Father, um, thank you for the gift of marriage. Um, Thank you for the way that you've um, made us to be together. Thank you for the way that you use it to just expose in us all of our flaws and our sin and our selfishness. And God, we just uh, acknowledge before you that is not who we want to be. And so we pray that you would give us new hearts and that you'd allow us to love and serve and put the needs of our spouse in front of our own. Thank you, God, for your grace and allow us to respond with humility. Amen. Amen. Last 2%. Last 2%. I know Mandy's clapping. She's saying, shut up, move on. Um, Last 2%. How can I help you? If I were to give you women one power tool and he's really into practical, can you, in all honesty to your husband, say each day, how can I help you? And how can I pray for you? And if there's resentment or resistance in your heart, then you know there's work to be done. Because I can tell him all day how he can help me and fulfill my agenda, but can I come in humility and go, hey, how can I pray for you and help you today? Amen. Amen.